Well, our families are certainly imperfect, and we've been reminded in various ways of that over the past several months and in different forms. Uh, We've been reminded of our limitations, um, limitations that we have naturally, limitations that have been placed upon us, uh, but at best, we are all imperfect. Uh, Kirk Cameron, who you probably, if you grew up uh, in the 80s like I did, you know him from the the series Growing Pains first. He won, uh, he was nominated uh, for Golden Globe for Best Actor for that series. He was on that series from 85 to 92. He met his wife on that series, and uh, they were sweethearts on the series, and then they later got married. Uh, he is, of course, a, a professing Christian. He and his wife started a camp called Camp Firefly where they help children who are sick or who are terminally ill. Uh, it is a camp for those, those kids. Um, in an interview, you may know him from the movie Fireproof as well. Not too long ago, they did the movie Fireproof where uh, they, they were um, trying to uh, help strengthen marriages, a Bible study that goes along with that. They, they led seminars in conjunction with that. In an interview several years ago, a few years back at least, with AL.com, he said this, He said, I think the greatest threat to marriage is not other people's definition of marriage. The church isn't taking God's definition of marriage seriously. It's not other people sabotaging marriage that's the problem. Um, When God's people mock marriage, he says, God doesn't take that lightly. And as a part of their ministry, he and his wife's ministry together, they led these conferences Uh, that were called Love Worth Fighting For. And here's what he said he found in those the people that were attending those conferences. Marriage is still important to people. They, the people attending the seminars, uh, know, they know that marriage is worth fighting for and they want their marriages to be strong. So whether you're single, single parent, uh, whether you're married, whether you are uh, divorce, whether you are widowed, a widower, wherever you are, we all know uh, what discord in family life is, right? I mean, we know what that is, and we don't want that. It's something that we don't want, whether it's in the context of the home or the church itself. We don't want discord. We don't want division within the church. And so, when we come together as a family, In the home, in the church, we need to ask the question, what does that look like? I mean, what does it look like to have harmony in the Christian home and in the Christian church? Even a church our size here at home, there are some of you that know what heartbreak is, know what division is, division in the home, division in the church. So in 2020... Looking at the family specifically, but also the church family in 2020, is it truly possible to have harmony in the Christian home? Is it possible in the midst of everything that we face to have harmony in the home? Is that just something that you see on old reruns of the Waltons or Little House on the Prairie? Or is it really possible to have harmony in the home? Tim Kimmel said this, he said, it's no longer Little House on the Prairie, it's Little House on the Freeway. I mean, life has changed so much, and even just in the past three months, our lives have changed drastically. So under the circumstances prior to the pandemic, was it possible to have harmony? Under the circumstances now, is it possible to have harmony in the Christian home? Well, I'm here to tell you, and and with good news, and excited to tell you that with Jesus Christ, it is possible to have harmony in your home and in the church. He gives us a way to to make that possible. Yes, we're all imperfect. All of our families are imperfect, but thankfully, Jesus Christ is our perfection, and he makes it possible for us to experience his best and harmony in our homes. But before we come to our text today, and we're going to be in Romans today, Romans uh, chapter 12, but before we come to our text today, um, I, w- I want to point out just, just a few things, a few, a few notes 
here a few foundational principles that will help us as we move forward. These aren't in your notes. Again, you can write these down. If you want them later, uh, shoot me an email and I'll give them to you. Just kind of set the groundwork for today. First, foundational principle number one, you've got to put God first. You have to put God first. If you want harmony, you have to put God first. That means you need to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you need to commit and submit completely to him. Commit all that you are and all that you have completely to him. Now, a good reminder here. We've talked about this. Another good reminder about how we are all imperfect, and we are. Uh, we have many, many imperfections in our lives and in our homes. Our families are imperfect. We're all sinners saved by grace. We're equal at the foot of the cross. We all have things that we struggle with. None of us are perfect. But remember what we said two weeks ago. Because of, because of grace and because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we are free to admit that we are imperfect, but praise God, Jesus is our perfection. The family has struggles, but Jesus is the answer to our struggles. We look to him, and we submit to him. And that brings us to the second foundational principle. Admit you are not perfect, and that Jesus is your perfection. We are all families in a fallen world, in a sin-sick, sin-cursed world. The third foundational principle, this is about relationships. It's about relationships. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. It is about relationship with my family and my home. It's about relationships with my extended family, this whole series that we're in. And it's about relationships with my church family, the people that I work with. And we're going to touch on each of these areas today. It goes beyond the walls of our homes, and that's why it doesn't matter if you have a family or not, if you're single, called to be single, waiting on God's person for you, this is all applicable, and you can take the truths of, this, of the, these principles, these truths in God's Word, and apply them to your life. Fourth foundational principle, all of our homes can improve, every one of them. All of our homes can improve. There's always room for more harmony in the home. Let me give you quotes from the past couple of weeks that we've, we've kind of centered on. One, Dave Roper said, No home is so good that God is impressed by it. And no home, no one's home is so bad that God cannot set it right. Jesus is the solution. We have problems, but Jesus is the solution. Faith begins at home. Adrian Rogers said, If you can live for Jesus at home, you can live for Jesus anywhere. But if you can't live for Jesus at home, then it doesn't really matter where you try to live for Jesus. doesn't matter. So we come to Romans 12, and that's our text for today. And in Romans 12, if you look at it in a sentence, Romans 12 tells us how to to be Christians, to live as Christians in the real world, Uh, how we are supposed to conduct ourselves as Christians out in the world. We're going to pull out a chunk of Romans chapter 12, verses 10 through 12. This is not going to be an exhaustive study of this passage. This isn't even going to be an exhaustive study of these verses. We're really just going to scratch the surface today. But what we are going to look at is what is vital from this, what we learn that is vital to having harmony in the Christian home. We're going to look at five markers, five things that we will identify as being vital to achieving harmony in our homes. Uh, we should be striving for these things. We should pray, God, give me the strength, help me to have these, to achieve these markers in my home. So let's look. Let's look at, at Romans chapter 12, verses 10 through 12. Romans chapter 12 Verses 10 through 12. Show family affection to one another with brotherly love. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lack diligence. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. Well, that's applicable today, isn't it? Be patient in affliction and be persistent in what? In prayer. Be patient and be persistent in prayer. So, five markers from this for our homes, for our church home. Number one, we see the expression 
and the experience of tender love. In order to have harmony in the home, in the church, there has to be the expression and experience of tender love. Look again at verse 10. Show family affection to one another with brotherly love. Outdo one another in showing honor. Family affection, or be kindly in affection, I think the King James says. Family affection, this is talking about real, genuine, compassionate tenderness. You're not faking it. You're not pretending, you're not putting on, you're not doing it, expecting that in return or expecting something else in return. It's genuine consideration, it's genuine compassionate affection, and it applies to the church family, right? We should be genuinely compassionate and affectionate toward one another. It applies to the real world. As I go about my life as a believer in the real world, I should genuinely have concern and show compassion and affection to other people. But it certainly can be brought into the home, into the Christian home. That phrase, brotherly love, it speaks of more than just feelings or emotions. It goes beyond feelings and emotions, and it includes actions. I say that I love you, and I show that I love you through my actions. I'm showing it with my actions. Look at that verse again. Show family affection to one another with brotherly love. Outdo one another in showing honor. This verse is saying to have harmony in the Christian home, we have to have tender love for one another, and that it goes beyond emotions, it includes actions. Our homes should be the center of Christ's love. We will never have right living in our homes until we have right loving of Jesus in our homes. Christ has to be at the center of our lives, and he has to be at the center of our homes. Again, we're putting God first. We're putting Jesus in the center of our lives. And I could spend the rest of the message today talking about 10 different things related to this verse about love, but I'm going to focus on one. And here it is. If we are going to have harmony in the Christian home, if we're going to show tender compassion, if we're going to show tender love, if we're going to have, show our love for each other, then we have to spend time together as a family. You know, one of the consequences of staying at home and having to stay at home is that it's forced us to spend more time together as a family. It was a study a few years ago. FamilyTies.com did a study. They asked, they took 1,500 school children, and they asked them this question, one question. What makes a happy home? And the answer didn't have anything to do with PlayStation or Xbox or iPads or iPhones. The answer overwhelmingly was what makes a happy home is spending time together as a family. You cannot substitute anything for time together as a family. Nothing says love like spending time together as a family. But what will, you know, again, great opportunities with all of the social distancing that we've had to do, staying at home. But what's going to happen when that's over with? Or at least we move back to where it's not as as strict as it is now. We're moving in that direction slowly but surely. You know, Timmy had his first baseball practice yesterday. We're starting to move back into a schedule. The girls have ballet this week, and that's great. But will once this is all said and done, are we still going to make it a priority to spend time together? Or are we going to let our schedules fill back up just like they did prior to this, to where we have no more room for family? where we're running from one thing to the next and we don't spend time together as a family as we should because nothing says love like spending time. And let me tell you, if you are married, you have kids, even if you don't have kids, your schedule fills up, but if you're married and you have kids, you want to spend time with your family, you've got to make time for your family. I mean, you, you may even have to schedule it on your calendar, which seems very impersonable, but I'm telling you, you have to make it a priority. If you're going to spend time with your family, it has to be a priority because one of the greatest enemies, even with social distancing, one of the greatest enemies we have in our world today is a term that I don't believe is a real word, but I'm going to use it anyway, and this word is hyperconnectivity. Hyperconnectivity. 
Let me tell you what that is. We live in a world with iPads and iPhones, devices, laptops, where you can stay connected all the time. Doesn't matter where you are, what you're doing, you can stay connected all of the time. And the problem with that is that there used to be a day where you could go on vacation and disconnect. And you can't do that anymore. You can't disconnect. You're always connected. I see couples who go out to dinner and they're, they're sitting across the dinner table staring at their phones, social media, whatever. I see families sitting around the dinner table doing the same thing. Families going on vacation with their heads buried in their devices. You know, we don't even need intercoms in the house anymore, right? Where are you at? I'm upstairs. When are you coming down? We, we, we're always connected. And listen, nothing wrong with social media when used in its proper, put in its proper place. If it weren't for technology and social media, we would have had a really difficult time staying connected during all this. It's been a great ministry tool. Some folks are still worshiping at home. I'm thankful for that. Nothing wrong with those things. Nothing wrong with iPads. Nothing wrong with phones. I've got devices. I love my devices. Got more in my house than my wife ever wanted in her house. Nothing wrong with those things. But here's the question. When do we turn off? When do we turn off? you got to have a time where you turn those things off and you spend time with your family. You spend time with your spouse. Well, you're not checking the score every five minutes. Again, no sports right now, so that's not an issue. <laughs> checking the latest numbers, coronavirus numbers, checking the latest news report, the latest economic numbers. And we know it's serious. We know it's bad. Okay, Things are difficult right now. not trying to whitewash that. But take a break from that. When do we turn off and focus on just loving our spouses, loving our kids, spending time with our children? And I love the guilt on your face because I've done it a million times too, right? Been guilty of sitting at the dinner table. Instead of talking to her, I'm checking something on my phone. We're all guilty of it. Um, but it's time we have to turn off. And here's an idea. Go outside. One of the greatest things I've seen during this, a lot of difficulties, a lot of, lot, of, lot of struggles, but one of the greatest things I've seen is walking through the neighborhood and five other families are walking out with their families too, spending time outside. It's forced us outside. There's green grass out there. Did y'all know that? <laughs> Kids still like to ride their bikes. They like to go outside. One of the greatest things we've done in the past three weeks is hiking at, at Montesano State Park as a family, with the dog and everything. Just good to be outside. You know, spend time together as a family. We're going to have a picnic this afternoon, church family. We're going to spend time outside and enjoy fellowship with one another. We've got to unplug and spend time together. Second marker, show sincere appreciation for one another. Sincere appreciation for one another. I want you to look at the end of verse 10. Outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo one another in showing honor. We're showing sincere appreciation for one another. The New King James Version says, In honor, give preference to one another. I want you to think about that for a minute. How does that apply right now? Yeah, it applies in the family at home, but let's talk about the church first. Give preference to one another. It was an article, I think uh, initially Brother Jim, our children's minister, shared it with me, Mandy as well, an article, rocketcitymom.com. They, they did a survey recently talking about social distancing. They asked 1,000 Huntsville families where they were in opening versus closing, you know, getting out and getting back into activities versus not. On a scale of zero to five, where is your family in terms of getting out and not? Well, here are the results. They found that 55% of families are still being very cautious, you know, down toward the zero end, being very strict. And then they found that 44% are somewhat open to open, very divided, right? I think you've probably seen this. And, 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 and we are extremely divided on this issue. We're divided outside the church, and guess what? We're divided inside the church. All you have to do is look at the comments on that article, and you'll see just how divided people are to the point to where, you know, if you've taken your children out of the house in the past two months, you're evil. Okay, 
we've got to, hear me church, we've got to be very careful here. Very, very careful. This is such a divisive issue right now. And what we, what Satan would love is for that division to just eat up the church from the inside out. We have that division in our church right now. Just look around. Some people are here. Some people are at home. Both are okay. Neither one is evil. (laughs) Some people are ready to get out. Some people aren't, and that's okay. What we have to be careful of is wherever I am with my family, under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, what I feel like is safe for my family is fine, but I'm not going to pass judgment on your family, where you are, what you're comfortable doing. Here is where this verse comes into play. Give preference to one another. How about instead of, hey, you should or shouldn't be doing this, how about I look out for your interests above my own? You know, you go outside, you wear a mask. It's not for my benefit. It's for the benefit of the person next to me. I'm looking out for you. it's It's not so much about me. It's I'm looking out for you. We give each other preference. We've talked a lot about submission in this. First, we submit to the Lord Jesus Christ. And then in love, we submit to one another. And if we'll focus on submitting to each other and, and, and less on whether or not I should have to wear a mask or not or, or whether I can go out or not and more about what do, does this person need because of whatever underlying health concerns they have or whatever fears they have that I may or may not share, putting other people's needs above my own and submitting to them in the name of Jesus and in the love of Christ. That should be our goal. We have to, especially right now, we've been apart for a long time, and when God's people are divided, they are weaker. Satan has a field day in those circumstances. It's been one of my greatest concerns and my greatest prayers for our church during this time is that when God's people are separated, they're more vulnerable to attack. And Satan would love nothing more than this issue, for this issue to cause division within our church. Can't let that happen. We've got to focus on the Lord Jesus. We've got to love each other just the same way Jesus loves his church. Selflessly putting other people's needs above our own. Submitting to his will and to him each and every day. We've got to love each other. Give personal preference. Give preference to others, the verse says. And the King James giving preference to one another. So in the church, but what about in the home? This is teaching us that in order to have harmony in the Christian home, you've got to put other people first and show appreciation. Same principle is that I'm putting my wife's needs above my own, putting my children's needs above my own. We're giving preference to one another. It's not about me. It's not about what I get out of it. It is I'm I'm putting others' needs above my own. Somebody said this, too often we're more courteous and understanding and appreciative to casual acquaintances and than we are to the people that we love, to our own family members. You've done this, right? Somebody walks in and you hold the door for them and they say thank you. Or you're driving on 72 and by a miracle all the stars and planets line up and somebody actually lets you in front of them and you wave in the mirror and say thank you. You go home, your wife has dinner on the table, the kids are well behaved and not even a word of thanks, right? Um, So easy sometimes to show appreciation to show gratitude to complete strangers than it is at home we need to show our family that we love them don't take it for granted show them that we appreciate them third in order to have harmony in the home in the christian home we need to serve the lord faithfully and fervently serve the lord faithfully and fervently Look at verse 11. Do not lack diligence. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. The theme of verse 11 is serving the Lord. You can imagine. But it tells us how we are to serve the Lord in our relationships. We're not to lack diligence. Lack speaks of laziness. And that word fervent is an interesting word. It actually means literally boiling water or, or anything like that, like a blacksmith. In the biblical, in, in this day and time, and, and when this was written, a Roman blacksmith would have used that word to describe uh, iron that was glowing, so hot that it was glowing, on fire, burning. That's the idea here. So you get, you put it all together. You're not lazy in showing love. 
to your family. You passionately show love to your family with the passion of a burning fire. That's the type of love. That's the type of intent, the type of enthusiasm that we should have in showing love to the people in our family, in our church family. And the, what we look at here is ministry with inside the home, inside the church family, yes, but ministry inside the home. And, and we, we get this idea, I think, sometimes that God's ministry, his business stops when we pull up at the, in the driveway and hit the garage door opener. But the greatest ministry we have is to our families. The greatest ministry that we have is to our families. And here's how we serve the Lord for harmony in the home. First of all, we serve the Lord by serving each other in the home. We serve each other in the home. But then we also serve the Lord by serving together as a family outside the home. Let's start with serving each other inside the home. Why is it easier to be nicer to strangers or to serve strangers than it is at the home, in the home? Well, one of the reasons is because, you know, it takes a lot of work to run a home, doesn't it? takes a lot of work to do all of those things, you know, to, to cook, to clean, to, to mow the lawn, to fix things around the house. I mean, all of those things are hard work, and when you get done, you're tired. And so here's how you got to look at it. Is it A, are these just daily grind chores that have to be accomplished? Or B, is mowing the lawn, do I view it as serving the Lord and serving the Lord by serving my family? Because if I just look at it as a task to be completed, that's exhausting. But if I can learn to look at even the daily chores that I have as a ministry to my family, well, that gives life to what I do and gives meaning to what I do. It changes everything. We have to learn to look at the things that we do in our home as serving the Lord and serving the members of our family. That's when they will energize us. But what about serving outside the home? Harmony will grow as we come together and serve together to advance the gospel. There's a lot of ways you can do this as a family under, you know, what we would call normal circumstances. But how many opportunities do we have now to do that? You know, taking, uh, maybe baking cookies and taking them to your neighbor. or Putting together a little gift basket and taking it to a neighbor. Or somebody that you know lives alone. Doing it as a family, having every person in your family write a letter to somebody in our church that you know is a widow or a widower or homebound. There's a lot of different ways that we can do this as a family, but make it a family event. Serve the Lord together as a family. It's one of the ways that we grow together as a family, and it's one of the markers. Now let's look at our fourth marker. So we serve inside and outside the home. Our fourth marker is that we have an enduring hope even in the hardest of times. So we express tender love, we show appreciation, giving preference to one another, we serve faithfully both inside and outside the home. Together as a family, we serve. Now let's read verse 12. Rejoice in hope, be patient in affliction, be persistent in what? In prayer. Yes, I ask both times because I want us to focus on that. Be patient and be persistent in prayer. So let's start. Hope, have hope, rejoice in hope. Hope, not happiness. Happiness is outside in. It's dependent upon my circumstances. Hope is inside out and it's dependent upon Christ. There's a difference. We rejoice in hope. It's not, gee, I hope so. It's the biblical understanding of hope. It is assurance. It's confidence. It's having a foundation that lasts. All of those things. This is patience in affliction, assurance based on salvation, based on eternity in heaven. It is patience in affliction or tribulation. Let's look at that word affliction or tribulation, depending on what version you have. This can be defined as constantly being squeezed on all sides by the trials and tribulations of life. Again, can you identify right now? Constantly squeezed from all sides. Side to side, front to back, top to bottom. That's the idea. That's the picture here. And we felt that way in our homes with four children who don't want to be home. Scared. Who's going to get sick? Is anybody in my family going to get sick? You know, both of our parents 
they're going to kill me for saying this, or getting older. Mandy's mom has some real health issues, real fear. We've had that for three months now, and we still don't have answers. Talking about those articles, people say you should go out, you should stay home. Give me 10 minutes and I'll find an, argue, an article arguing both ways. We don't know what, what information is real and what isn't. We haven't had time to do all the research and investigating. There's a lot of unknowns. We have been under pressure for a long time now. It's tough. But God's word tells us that we can have patience in the midst of affliction and endurance and patience means here's what it means don't miss this okay here's what this means patience means the weight is on you but you more than endure you don't just endure you don't just survive you thrive because you're patient in the fact that you have hope and peace in your heart that comes from salvation in Jesus Christ alone because this world is not God's final plan for us. Pandemics will one day cease. This one will one day cease. It will be a distant memory. Boy, I look forward to that distant memory. But it will one day cease, and we can be patient. You know, the first time I went to China, not when we adopted Eli, but I went on a mission trip in 2008, 2009, because Timmy was a year old. I went by myself. Mandy stayed home with Gracie and Timmy. Went to her parents were living in St. Louis at the time. We're visiting them, and I remember one morning we could only communicate by email, um, and uh, we would communicate back and forth. And one morning I woke up. That was the only time I could check email. Was in the morning, and I checked the email. And you know, most of the time it was, you know, how are you doing? Things are going well here, that sort of thing. But this particular morning. Um, you know, I had been a long ways away from for a while, but at this particular morning, the email said uh, that the, th- the kids weren't doing well. Things weren't going well. And I have never felt that distance. I never had felt the distance between us more than right then because I wanted to get to her, and I wanted to help with the kids. It was difficult. We are facing a lot of stress, a lot of trials, a lot of tribulation right now, right? We've already talked about that. A lot of different ways. But here's the thing about God's people, in the home but in the church. Let's talk about church home right now, okay? Trials and tribulations should not separate us. They should bring us together. Trials and tribulations should bring God's people together. Look back at the New Testament church. The church thrived under persecution. Look in China right now, in East Asia, in some of these other countries. The church is thriving under persecution. I know this isn't persecution in that way, but we may be facing that one day. Maybe this is a dry run for that. I don't know. But trials and tribulations should bring God's people together. But in order for that to happen, we have to submit to Jesus Christ. And we have to submit to one another. We have to rely on the hope. And when we talk about hope, this is how we do this. We're, We're saying the struggles of everyday life are to be lived on the canvas of our eternal life. We can have eternal peace by keeping an eternal perspective. An eternal perspective. Look at Romans 12, 12 again. Be, rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. Be persistent in prayer. You want to maintain an eternal perspective? you got to pray. Spend time in prayer. 2 Corinthians 4, 18. Love this verse. One of my life verses. We don't focus on what is seen, but what is unseen. Eternal perspective. Because what's seen, even pandemics, are temporary. The pressures of life are temporary. But what is unseen, Jesus Christ, heaven, glory, that's eternal. When hard times hit, here's how we maintain harmony in the family. I say, Lord Jesus, it's tough. The pressure is on. But I come to you and I pray, Lord, I want to put before my eyes and before my family's eyes, you, Jesus Christ, the salvation that you've offered, the salvation that I know I have in you, my eternity that's secure in you. I want you before my eyes. And I want to keep you before my eyes. Everything else in the world fades away. I focus on you. I spend time with you. I spend time with your word. And I'm going to put this word before my family and keep it in front of my family. You, always before me, 
You want hope in the midst of trials and afflictions? Jesus Christ, eternal perspective, maintaining my focus on eternity. Open or closed, focus on Jesus. Put others' needs above your own. Stay at home or not, focus on Jesus. Put other people's needs above your own. Wear a mask or don't wear a mask. Focus on Jesus. Put other people's needs above your own. Put Jesus always, always, always in the forefront. Submitting to him, loving people the same way that he loves them. That's that's how we have hope in the midst of situations like this. That's how we maintain harmony in our homes And look at the last part of verse 12. It's our fifth marker, and then we'll conclude. Rejoice in hope, be patient in affliction, be persistent in prayer. Practice the wonderful habit of prayer. The wonderful habit of prayer. It's the greatest resource God's given us as families. Prayer. Pray together as a family. When we pray in our homes as a family, we are saying our family is dependent upon God. When we pray as a church, we are saying that our church is dependent upon God. And there's going to need to be a time as we move forward. And I'm praying right now, Mandy and I have been praying right now about what this looks like. Um, We spent a lot of time talking about this yesterday. There's going to need to be a time of prayer and fasting as we move forward as a church. Church is going to be different for a long time. Life is going to be different for a long time. And if we're going to come out of this thing on the other side, if we're going to be able to to break through this thing and to do ministry in a new way, then we need to to, to spend time before the Lord and seek his face. And so we'll talk more about what that's going to be like in the future. But we, I know one thing that we can do right now, I know one thing that I can do at my house is that we can pray together as a family. We can spend time before the Lord as a family. Prayer is our connection to Christ. And this, you know, maybe you're here today and this whole message makes you feel gutted. I know I'm talking to a lot of different people here at home. Maybe you're saying, you know, Pastor, you're telling me to pray, but my family, my husband, my kids, they won't even let me talk to them about God. Well, that's okay. Talk to God about your kids and your husband or your wife. Maybe you say, well, Pastor, I've been praying and praying and praying and nothing's happened. Don't give up. Keep praying. Sometimes we have to wait. And I don't understand why God makes us wait, but sometimes we have to wait. Keep praying. Keep spending time on your knees. Raymond Edmonds said this, keep your chin up and your knees down. Don't give up. Pray, pray. When you get tired, pray some more. It's hard. Prayer can be hard work. It's hard ministry sometimes. But I want to share a verse with you as we finish up. This isn't in your notes. It's not going to be on the screen. As I was working through my message this weekend, the Lord just kind of brought me to this verse. Psalm chapter 37, verses 23 and 24. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. You can look that up and underline. I have that underlined. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fail. For the Lord, and I underline this too, the Lord holds them by hand. Wherever you are, here today, at home, wherever your family is, this verse tells you that if you are, if you are God, if you are Christ's, this tells us two things, that the Lord directs your steps and that he holds you by his hand. He holds you by the hand, regardless of what you're facing. Regardless of what you're going through, pressure from all sides, God directs your steps, and he holds you by the hand. I want to give you a way to think about that. (laughs) I've kind of raided Timmy's athletics bin today, but basketball. This isn't a regulation size, but, you know, this is a basketball nonetheless. And this basketball in my hand... Maybe, I don't remember how much this, this cost, maybe $20 at the most, right? This basketball in my hands, probably somewhere around $20. But you take this same basketball and you place it in the hands of a professional basketball player like, say, LeBron James, and suddenly this basketball is worth about $30 million. It's pretty significant, right? 
pretty, pretty, pretty big jump, all right? But what about, what about a football? Okay, this is the only football we could find, and it has been well played with. It is not an NFL-sized football, but for the sake of illustration, bear with me, okay? This football in my hands worth about $10 or $15, maybe, somewhere around $10 or $15. But you take this football and you place it in, say, Tom Brady's hands, suddenly it's worth about $40 million. Pretty big jump, right? Pretty big jump in value. Well, let's take a golf club. Ted Stroop's played golf with me, so he'll bear this out. You take this club in my hand, it's worth negative $30. No. <laughs> Especially after I beat it up pretty good. I think I paid somewhere around $60 for this. Somewhere in the neighborhood of $60 for this. But you take this club and you place it in, say, Tiger Woods' hands, we're talking $40, $50 million. Easy. Right? Professional golfers. It all depends on whose hands it's in, right? Let me look at one more thing here. If I can get to them. Got a couple of nails here. Take these nails in my hands about five cents a piece at the most. These nails in Jesus' hands, no way to measure the value. Eternal life. No sickness, no suffering, no pandemics. Eternal life. See, it all depends on whose hands it's in. It all depends on whose hands your family is in. But Psalms tells us that our, we, our families, those of us who belong to Jesus, our families are in his hands. He holds us by the hands. You know, in World War II, those of you that like history, there were a lot of sacrifices that were made. We're imperfect, our families are imperfect, but we can have a home and we can be valued and become valued because Jesus gives us value. And this principle kind of shows, I think, what we've been talking about. A lot of sacrifices that were made in World War II. Soldiers, families, sending soldiers off to war. Um, but there were also sacrifices of families who were moving into the industrial cities to get jobs. It was a Great Depression. They were moving into the city to get jobs for war manufacturing. But what many people did, don't know, you may or may not know, is that because of that, there was a housing shortage. All these families moving from the country into the city to get these jobs. Plenty of jobs, but no houses. Families were doubling up, living together. Some of them didn't have home. And there was a story about a lady who was aware of another family who did not have a home. And she was talking to a little five-year-old girl in that family. Bet her interests were good, best interests. She looked at the little girl and she said, I am so sorry that you don't have a home. The little girl looked at her and corrected her and said, no, we have a home. We just don't have a house to put it into. Do you have a home? How do you define your home? It doesn't matter if you're single, married, widowed, waiting for Mr. or Mrs. Wright. What defines your home is the value and what defines gives it value is whether or not your home is in the hands of Jesus. We can have value. You first have to trust Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, and you lead your family to trust Jesus as Lord and Savior of their lives. You model it. Dads, we are the spiritual leaders of our home. We teach about Jesus. We live Jesus in front of them. We spend time together. We spend time in God's Word, and we spend time praying together and serving in each other inside the home, serving outside the home. But we trust in the Lord, and we allow him to build our home. If, if your home is not built by Jesus, it will never stand. We're going to talk more about that in the weeks to come. But it starts with a relationship with Christ. And as usual, our invitation is, is different right now. But there are commitments that you can make. And that begins with, you know, trusting Christ as Lord and Savior. Do you trust Jesus? Have you done that? If your home's not what it should be, you've got to take that first step, if you haven't, and accept Christ as Savior. Um, maybe there's another decision that you want to make. Maybe you want more information about how to build your home. 
some of the things that I've talked about today. Um, that same way that I invited you to contact us before the service started, or if you're here today or at home, info at wallhighway.com, you send an email to that, that email address, and I will respond to you, and we will start that conversation. But right now, I just want to spend a few moments in prayer. All right, so let's just bow our heads, close our eyes. When I get done, I'll have a few announcements for you, but we'll, we'll have our time of decision this way. As we bow our heads and pray, let me just encourage you, first and foremost, whether you're here or at home, you know, what describes your family? I mean, are you a family that your home's being built by Christ? You've put your faith in Him. You've trusted Him. You know that you have a foundation that's secure. Do you know Jesus is your Lord and Savior? If not, then let me invite you just to spend some time talking to Him right now. Maybe you need to invite him into your life. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Maybe you just need to confess right now before the Lord that you have sinned and that you need forgiveness. Whether you're a dad, a mom, a child, whether you're living alone, you're single, waiting to be married, called to be single, you've lost your husband or your wife, whatever the case may be, do you know Jesus is Lord and Savior? And, and beyond that, what are you doing to make sure your home has harmony? Because the only way you're going to have harmony in your home, the only way you're going to be at peace individually or have peace in your home is if you have submitted to the Lordship of Christ. You're loving Him with all your heart, soul, and strength. You're loving the other people in your home, putting their needs above your own, and you're serving the Lord inside the home and outside the home, and you're spending time together in prayer. Those keys... Which of those keys do you need to work on? Which, where have you fallen short? And what do you need to do to allow God to strengthen that, that area? Father, we come before you recognizing that we are imperfect individuals and imperfect families. Lord, we fall short in so many ways. We struggle to survive. Sometimes it feels like, and you tell us, not only can you survive, you can thrive if you will allow me to build your home. Lord, that's our desire. We want homes that are built by you and strengthened by you. God, we want a church family that's built by you and strengthened by you, that's maintained, that's held together with the glue that is our love for you, but more importantly, your love for us. Lord, you hold us in your hands. And if we will submit to you and we will love you and we will put other people's needs above our own and we will work together through this, you will prove faithful. We believe that you have a purpose in all of this. We don't know what that is yet. We know some of it. But I believe you have a greater kingdom purpose in this. But Lord, what, what the, may what the devil would cause for harm, would use for harm, Lord, I pray that you would use for your glory and your kingdom. I pray that you would draw us to yourself and that you would draw us together. But Lord, in order for that to happen, Father, we have to focus on you. We have to put you at the center of our lives and in everything that we do. We have to focus on our relationship with you and growing in that relationship. Lord, we've got to do our part to spend time in your word and to spend time in prayer. Lord, we don't have all the answers for church. We don't have all the answers for family. And we've got a lot of problems We've got a lot of challenges. But today I'm thankful that you, Jesus, are the answer to our problems and our challenges. We thank you for your love. And we thank you for eternal life. It's in Jesus' name that we do pray. Amen. A couple of announcements we're going to share. Of course, we continue our time of commitment. And this is the time where we would give our tithes and offerings as well. 
Um, we don't do that like we normally would. We're not passing plates still, that sort of thing. There are white boxes in the back where you can drop your tithe and offering and or offering. There'll be uh, ushers holding offering plates at the doors. Of course, you can give online. We've made that available, online giving through our website. Um, you can give by mailing your tithe and offering in if you haven't chosen to join us yet. Um, you can use your bank's online bill pay. Many of you do that. The information is the same. Um, the, the address uh, to the church is how you go about doing that. Um, but let me just mention a couple of things um, before we get done. Uh, if you are a guest, again, at home here, want to spend some time uh, talking with me, I'd love the opportunity to do that. Send an email, info at wallhighway.com. We'll set up a Zoom meeting, an in-person meeting, whatever you're comfortable with. I just want the opportunity to get to know you a little bit, you and your family. Um, the discussion guide for today's message is on the website. Use that as a family. Uh, spend some time together doing that uh, this afternoon as a family, uh, praying together as a family as well. Uh, talking about how to apply this, the discussion guide will help you do that, will help you apply it to your family, to your life. Um, remember to sign up for the service next week. You signed up this week, that's great. We're going to keep doing that as long as we have to. We, got, we have to have an idea of the numbers. The numbers are ticking up every week, and that's great, but we've got to know so we can be able to prepare our overflow areas and that sort of thing. So make sure you sign up. Uh, there'll be a link that goes out probably tomorrow afternoon reminding you to do that. Um, and also next Sunday, next Sunday is the 7th, right, Melody? Thank you. I've been having trouble with dates lately, y'all. Uh, next Sunday is the 7th, and that is going to be our Senior Recognition Day. We would have done it about three weeks ago, but because of uh, the pandemic, because of social distancing, uh, we postponed that. But we do have some seniors this year that we want to recognize. We might ought to uh, show them a little extra love just because of what they've had to endure their senior year. It'll be a memorable one, right? They'll never forget their senior year. But uh, we're going to recognize them next week. Uh, so you be here for that. It's going to be a special time where we get to do that. Now, this afternoon, our church picnic this afternoon, uh, we're just going to gather right out here, out here in front of the, the preschool building, the education building. Um, we're not going to be serving any food or drinks or anything like that. You've got to bring your own food, your own drinks, your own chairs, picnic blanket, uh, whatever you're going to use, you need to bring with you, okay? We do ask that everybody maintain a six-foot distance between families. Um, you know, we're going to come. We're going to have some time of fellowship. And that's just what it's going to be, all right? We're just going to hang out and enjoy each other's company, all right? Uh, we don't have any agenda. As I mentioned in my email, we're not going to be playing any, doing any activities where you're passing a ball. So I'm going to put those up before this afternoon, okay? We're going to be passing things back and forth. We're just going to be hanging out, an opportunity for us to fellowship together. We haven't been able to do that as a church in a while, and it's going to be a good time to do that. So you bring everything with you. Be here at 5 o'clock, and we'll just hang out however long we hang out, all right? As we go, same as last week, wait for your ushers to release you. We'll go back to front. Uh, go ahead and move out the building. Uh, as, as they release you, we don't want a bottleneck in the foyer or anything. Once you get outside, you can talk for the next three hours, okay? But get outside first and then have fellowship. Thank you so much for being here. God bless you. God bless your family. Look forward to seeing you this afternoon and have a wonderful afternoon.